Hello and welcome to the Persephone program. Today is April 15th and today I want to talk about archetypal energy of the zodiac and the planets and the idea of shadow and light within the archetypes. So I haven't been podcasting very much, um, still processing a lot of my you just release uh, of Capricorn rising. And I, to be honest with you, just started to work on the audible version of the book. And right now it's available on Amazon only, although I am getting some copies, they're coming soon. But if you do listen to this podcast and you purchase um, the book, Uh, and write a review, I'm happy to send you a signed copy. Just wanted to reiterate that um, because obviously reviews are how it's shared. One other piece is that I am starting a book club. I'm going to announce that this week and it's going to meet via Zoom. It's going to be totally free. And so if you have read the book or you know someone that might want to read the book but might need a little help understanding some of the astrology, I am going to offer a free book club where I think it's going to be bi-monthly where I offer a Zoom where we kind of go through each chapter step by step and you can have your chart with you and go through it. So um, totally free. You just have to have the book, obviously, as the textbook. Um, Anyway, just wanted to let you know that. So I've had a bunch of kids in my little guest room where I do this podcast. So it was, I'm now picking up, you know, uh, soda, well, not soda, but seltzer cans and water bottles and all this stuff, um, cleaning the room up. But I wanted to podcast really quick and talk a little bit about the last new moon in Aries, um, some of the weather, and then get into the shadow and light because there's been a lot of very distinct shadow and light in 2021, hasn't there? I've had many people reach out and say, oh my God, I thought this year was supposed to be better than last year. And I think that it is, although it is in the events that are difficult are in are massively and starkly contrasted by the light, I think. Um, and of course, they're coming up to be revolutionized. And certainly that Saturn Uranus square as represented by Saturn authority, Um, social structures and Uranus, the revolutionary, the Promethean um, impulse, those two are like butting heads. And you see it time and time again, whether it is the abuse by any kind of authoritative force in the United States or the world, certainly the police is one of them. Um, So it's not like this is new that police have shot innocent people. But the fact is, is that it, we are, it's coming up so that we can fix it. And hopefully we will, um, you know, because we don't need any more young martyrs, do we? Um, it's ridiculous and it's not okay. So sorry, I'm getting a little verklempt here, but, um, I think the Uranus Saturn square is going to, make this come up uh, time and again throughout this year, you know, we already had the first one, which is really the primary. Um, Typically when outer planets 
aspect each other within a year because of their slow moving orbit and their retrogrades, they'll do it three times. And I remember my mom always telling me, it's you know especially about that Uranus Pluto that was in play, you know, from gosh, you know, 2010 to 2020, you know, the first, the first one is the big bang, you know, the second one is the integration and the third one is, or the second one is the implementation and the third wave is the integration. So the first big bang came in February and, you know, the month leading up to it. The second is in June. Um, and I believe it's the 14th where we have Saturn um, at 13 and Uranus is at 13 and it is exact on the 13th, 13th, 14th of June. So we'll have that second wave of Uranus bang up against Saturn. What are we going to do? Like how are our collective Uranian impulses going to stimulate our structures, you know? the revolution will be televised. Everybody is watching and you can't get away with shit anymore. So, you know, I think by the end of this year, we're going to see something really amazing. What's really interesting too, is that let me talk a little bit about April. And then I want to talk about the Venus ingress um, or the Jupiter ingress into Pisces. Cause I'm really excited to observe that. Okay. Firstly, we just had a new moon on the 11th, four days ago. It was really interesting and it stimulated a lot of people there's there's a lot happening right now um a lot more vibrant energy and energy being moved um than certainly last year where things were being shut down and introverted there is an extroverted energy to this year and that first new moon in the astrological year is very telling and it it definitely sets the tone. And so a lot of people were dealing with some really overt kind of issues. Now, this new moon was pretty positive, um, except for the fact that it was squaring, you know, almost not exactly, but within five degree orb Pluto. And, um, and it was Aries. And Aries is like, it acts out. Aries acts out, you know. So here's what happened to me. It's kind of interesting and see if it, you guys had any kind of a, a similar thing. So this new moon was right on my IC, which is the Imam Coli, which is Latin for the bottom of the sky. It is the, how, the cusp of the fourth house and one of the four angles of your chart. Any of the four angles that are stimulated by an event, that is a planetary ingress, um, a station, even a new or full moon, it makes something happen there. Now, I think if you've read my book, uh, you would know or even listen to other podcasts that my father's ascendant is the same degree as my IC. So what was going on for me at the time was my father, who is 81 years old, almost going to be 82, he is gung-ho to become a citizen of Mexico. And he's really old and he lives in a really small town and he doesn't get out much and he doesn't walk well and he's confused and he can't use a computer, you know, all the things that like a lot of old people have to deal with. And he's, he is, he was convinced I've been dealing with this for weeks that he has enough money to qualify to apply for residency. And according to all of the data that I got from varying 
um, consulates, he didn't. So he argued with me for weeks on that, that he had the ability. Anyway, he continued to argue and he continued to email different consulates because this is who he is. He is so dogged in his pursuit. And he finally found a consulate. He found one in San Francisco where my family lives. And they said, okay, even though you don't actually qualify, he argued with them that, you know, he has information that wasn't available to anything that I could see um, that that basically lowered the amount of money necessary to qualify. And he got someone to say, okay. Now, in order to do any kind of immigration work, you have to have a lot of paperwork. Well, he doesn't have anything. He doesn't even know how to do online banking. But I've been compiling, I've been getting his bank statements for years at my address. Anyway, I compiled all this stuff. I put together all these things, all of his social security documents, bank statements for two years, blah, blah, blah. And he made a plan. And he was going to fly to San Francisco and go to the consulate. Anyway, long story short, he couldn't book a flight because for varying reasons. He says that there's something wrong with the internet. So I said, I'll buy your airplane ticket. And um, while I was attempting to help him, he got so frustrated and confused, he started yelling really loud over the phone at me. You know, like, you need to listen to me! You know, super loud. And I'm like, Dad, no, look, this is what I have. He kind of, he said, I know what I want. I want this. And if you have read my book and you know that I have a very difficult relationship with him, I'm like, I'm not going to take that. And I basically, I'm like, I'm not taking this. You're an asshole. You're an arrogant asshole, Um, which he was being. I lost it on him and I hung up on him. And, um, you know, he sent me some long rambling message about how, you know, he isn't an asshole. He's captain of the assholes, but, you know, he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. And anyway, I lost it. Long story short, I completely lost my shit on my dad and in general. Now I'm a double Capricorn. And as you know, I'm a little bit older and I have been working on, you know, um, not sublimating myself, but mastering myself for a long time. And when I lose it, it's like kind of hard on me emotionally. So I was like, oh, all this happened like right on that new moon. And I was like, there you go. So what the, what, what was stimulated by this event was the fact that as we are tested, we fund the power to avert defeat. That is a a quote. I'm not really sure who it's by, but I remember it from the Book of Runes by Ralph Bloom. And it's so true. There are elements that happen in our lives, events, um, experiences that test us. And every time we get tested, we are able to work on our shadow, you know? And I have a lot of issues with like sublimated anger. And I saw anger really coming up for me around that Aries new moon, just like bubbling up, you know? And... Um, I'm working on it, you know, I don't have to get mad because my father is a narcissistic ass, you know, why should, why should that, as my mother said, mess with my emotional equilibrium? Um, you know, like who cares? Like he lives in another country. I don't even have to deal with him. Um, but that's, those are some of the things that have come up, you know? And of course, when we strive to maintain this 
sense of, of, of balance and equilibrium in our life and peace. Um, things that rattle us can be used as an opportunity. And I'm using this as an opportunity also to like check myself because I have an impulse to take control and also help. And he didn't ask me to buy his airplane ticket. Um, I should have stayed out of it. You know, I, I was, it was too much for him. You know, I was telling him that he needed a wheelchair and he needed assistance and he couldn't even deal with that. And so that's my, that's on me. So did anything come up for you guys? Um, were you stimulated by this? If you have cardinal planets, you know, anywhere between 20 and 25 degrees, you may have been, and that's that Aries, Cancer, Libra, um, Capricorn, um, or you have Aries, like, you know, a lot of Aries were really stimulated. And um, remember too that transiting Chiron is an Aries. So if you are an Aries, um, there's a lot going on. But really quick, um, April astrology, today is the 15th, Venus is in Taurus, yay, yay, yay. Venus doesn't love being in Aries. Um, it's, it, you know, it's in its opposition, its detriment. Um, but Venus loves being in Taurus and Libra. And so I think that, um, that just enjoyment in general um, is, is the key. We have Venus in Taurus now. Um, we have the sun moving to Venus, um, the sun moving to Taurus on the 20th. Uh, we have Mercury also moving to Taurus on the 19th. So there's going to be, by the end of this month, there's going to be three planets in Taurus. And then our full moon in Scorpio, which is going to be really interesting, is on the 26th. So um, there's a real marked change from that fiery Aries energy. So being provoked, um, be feeling assertive or aggressive or even just frustrated. It's kind of moving into a little bit more settled energy, kind of more earthy energy. Uh, and I think that um, that'll be calmer. Okay. However, with Sun, Mercury, and Venus in Taurus, they're going to activate or join Uranus. So there may be even more of a deeper force. Like I could see, you know, because Earth is such the, such a solid force, it's joining Uranus. Like a lot more people are going to join um, the revolution, so to speak. So I think that whether it is the BLM movement, um, the protests, those are going to get stronger because they're going to gain more traction through the energy of Earth. Um, so there is still, there is still a Mars energy to this month because both of our two major lunation events and the moon also in, in a mundane chart represents people. So when we do these full and new moon things, it's like, what is the, what is the mood of the people? Um, and because both Scorpio and Aries are ruled by Mars, Scorpio traditional Mars, and I consider Mars to still be its co-ruler with Pluto, we still have this like, okay, we need to get things going. Um, we will begin retrogrades this month too. Pluto is going to retrograde on the 27th and go back um, several degrees in Capricorn. Um, you know, kind of like settling in you know, uh, it's energy. I don't really see that as that big of a deal, but I kind of feel like Taurus is going to bring in a really, this Taurus season at the mid, 
to end of April is going to bring in a lot more settled energy. And I'm really interested to see what May brings because on May 14th, uh, we have Jupiter basically stationing at zero degrees Pisces for two weeks. So it's moved super fast, right? It's only been like, you know, it'll be like five months in one sign. Um, Aquarius, very, very fast through the sign. It stations retrograde at zero degrees for two weeks. And then over the summer, it will go back through Aquarius, um, finally moving direct. When does Jupiter doesn't move direct until September? Let me just see here. I'm looking at my handy dandy ephemeris. Um, where is Jupiter? Actually, is it October? Yeah, dude, this is crazy. So Jupiter doesn't move um, till October 17th. It stations at 20. Well, it's going to be at 22 stationing for most of October. And then on the 17th, it's direct. Um, Aquarius. And so then it'll move again, very fast through Aquarius. It's really moving fast through Aquarius and, um, it'll move and then turn to, um, Pisces again in December, but Jupiter is exalted in Pisces and, um, no, it's not exalted, but it is, um, in its, um, it's in a very positive, <laughs> uh, role. It loves to be in, in, um, in Pisces. So we're going to see some really, wonderful energetic forms coming out even though we're moving into eclipse season um may june the, so it's gonna be really interesting and i think that um i think that we have something to look forward to it's so it's fascinating to me that i'm like looking at governments saying we're gonna open up we're gonna you know we're, edc is coming to vegas all the festivals that we have had here in Las Vegas are happening, whether it's punk rock bowling. I think, um, for sure that is happening. Life is beautiful is happening. EDC is happening in May and astrologically I see that, you know, and what also is fascinating is that many astrologers looking at Jupiter and Pisces and the aspects that it has for 2022 were kind of comparing it to like a roaring twenties, you know, without prohibition and a lot of, um, you know, like news stations are saying like, look for this kind of energetic expression because of the repression and restriction of the pandemic. So it'll be interesting to see, not that it'll be easy. The United States is having its actual Pluto return next year, um, where it will be exact, but we have been leading up to it. And that energy leading up to any major transit is always, um, you know, the most active. Uh, so anyway, I've been babbling a little bit about April and what to expect for May. Just remember that, um, you know, that, that there is this, like, there's hope. There's hope. Remember that the last thing to come out of Pandora's box was hope. So there is hope. I think Jupiter and Pisces is so hopeful. And, um, and I, you know, stay the course if you're struggling, keep going. And, um, and I want to talk about averting defeat. Okay. So as you guys know, 
Astrology is meaningful astronomy, and the planets represent archetypal urges or forces at play within our consciousness, and the zodiac signs are the styles that those urges express themselves in, and the aspects are the relationships of these different aspects that you have within your psyche interplay, you know? As Walt Whitman said, I contain multitudes. So you contain multitudes. And these different aspects of yourself, if you look at them with awareness, can be refined. They can be worked with. And that's the point about understanding astrology is that there is this amazing gift given to you that can help with your own happiness, joy, self-improvement. It can help you to get through. It can help you to find meaning for your suffering or your life. Um... And so, uh, you know, just kind of having a sense of humor about your own crap, about your own shadow is really good too. I I see a lot of people talking about the shadow with such intensity and, and such depth. And listen, one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Capricorn Rising, was to share with you guys some of my own trauma and my own tragedy and how I've used astrology to kind of find a little bit of perspective and meaning in my suffering and also, therefore, to kind of let it go so that I can be more present in the moment. And, and I want that for you as well, because sometimes I do, I did a reading the other day for a woman who has been through a tremendous amount of tragedy in her past. And she's, you know, she's lived decades and decades and decades without tragedy and intensity, but some of the patterns both in play within her natal chart and also um, activated through her early childhood trauma have kind of created an almost self-fulfilling prophecy because she has behaved instinctively and instinctually throughout her life, if that makes sense. So you can imagine that like, you know, it's, it's like having PTSD from something and never being able to get out of that loop because you've reacted and behaved in a certain kind of way, um, always in order to deal with it. And it continues time and time and time again. So, I'm working on that myself. Like I'm, I want to reframe some of my negative responses to things where I go dark side, um, because it just it doesn't work. Like for me, it doesn't mean that we can't and shouldn't hold space for and love and and be present with our pain. Awareness is the first step, but then we can reframe it. Because we don't have to stay in that space, you know, we can move past it. And that's why I love to use neuro-linguistic programming and affirmations in order to sort of retrain our brain to respond in different ways. And again, first starts with awareness, intellect, processing, um, and then throwing everything at it, energy work, emotional work, um, and just faking it till you make it, which is what sometimes I call affirmations in NLP you know, saying you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, because really you are. In every moment you are and you, you're you still here and you can make your life better. Um, anyway, so that's some of, some of my little babbling. But hey, I wanted to sort of um, make you laugh a little bit and talk a little bit about the shadow and light in each zodiac sign. And so we have, it's like 23 minutes in, so we have... Um, I'll give this another like 23 or 24 minutes and we can talk about this for the next period of time. And again, would love to hear from you if you guys want. Um, If you have any questions, uh, you have questions about the book, you want to join the book club, send me a, a DM.
Okay, so let's talk about Aries. <laughs> I did a little earlier. You know, I love you guys. I really do. I mean, some of my best friends are Aries. I love Aries energy. They are so much fun. And yes, they are on a quest, you know, but usually it is very self-serving. And to be honest with you, that's the way it's supposed to be. Arrogant Aries asshole. My mom used to say that all the time. Arrogant Aries asshole, because it's all about me. One of my best friends, she is like my oldest, one of my oldest friends, absolutely darling, wonderful, generous, fun, charismatic as hell. Um, She's got a bunch of Pisces, you know, Mercury and, and Moon, but it's always all about her. You cannot have a conversation where it's not all about her. It is impossible. At the same time, this is someone who is so talented and creative, I cannot even tell you. She was such a role model to me when I was a young woman too, because she was like such a badass. Like she like, I know it sounds kind of silly, but when I was like maybe like 19 years old, like she drove like a big ass Ford F-150 truck that was like manual. She was like this little petite girl, but she drove a big ass truck. She was just really fearless. She was super talented. She was an artist. Her home had her beautiful paintings and she did like these art installations that were amazing. I remember the first time I ever went into her, her, um, her place in the middle of her living room, which was gorgeous bay window in San Francisco. And there was this beautiful aviary that she had built herself filled with birds. And then in the middle of the living room was a podium. And on top of it was like a vintage 1930s crocodile bag. And it was like open and it had like a crocodile, like a little baby crocodile, you know, like how they used to have that stuff in the twenties and thirties. And it was from one of her, she went to Otis Parsons and the San Francisco Art Institute. And if you went up to it and you got close to it, it snapped shut. It had like a sensor in it and she had designed all of this and it was like an interactive art exhibit. (laughs) But I was, as soon as I met her, I was just like madly in love with her energy But really, it was always all about her. And so, you know, Aries' shadow is self-centeredness. And so what Aries does need to work on is just kind of like holding some space for the fact that there are other people out there who may have differing opinions, differing um, needs, um, sensitivities, that, you know, it's not okay just to be courageous and adventurous and charismatic. Sometimes you also have to be diplomatic. So that's like what to watch out for. And that's why mom used to say arrogant Aries asshole because I really did think they were right. My dad, perfect example. Um, You know, I mean, his combination of Sagittarian, like he sent me this email afterwards. He has a moon in Sagittarius that said like, yeah, I might be, I might be the captain of all assholes, but many people have, um, Oh, what it was what was it that he said? He was like, many, many people have eaten out for weeks on the stories I've shared with them. Like meaning that like my company is so amazing and my exploits so legendary that it's okay. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Anyway, yeah, whatever. I'll probably forgive him. I know I will. But um, arrogant Aries, it's all about me. So work on that, Aries. Love you. Stubborn Taurus. My way or the highway. I had a a BFF also early in my 20s that I was um, roommates with, and she had so many GD rules about everything. It was unbelievable. Um, And it was really funny too, because she had so many rules, but she was also like very physically kind of lazy. Um, But, you know, you still had to adhere to her rules. You know, it's like, 
she didn't want to clean the kitchen, but you know, we, we still had to do things on her timeline, but it was really funny. Um, Tauruses really can be like incredibly stubborn and also self-serving in their own way. Remember, these are the springtime signs and they really are focused more on, their own inner work. Um, Venus just moved to Taurus and Venus in Taurus, uh, I mentioned this in my book, is like the morning star Venus. You know, it's about self-esteem and and the sensual world and self, um, self-serving, um, you know, creating things for the self. Um, the, the, you know, the five senses and, and having possessions and luxury and things like that. So, um, you know, the really Taurus people in general um, also, you know, love my earth signs, you know, because I'm an earth sign girl too. And what I love most about them is that they love food and they love, you know, the earthly pleasures. They, I love sensuality a lot. <laughs> I have Venus in the first house and I really dig people that do too, um, that can hold the earth's beauty in their hands and love it. So, um, but store, you know, Taurus is like really, they get really, they dig their ruts, you know? So Taurus needs more flexibility, although they are the most beautiful. I mean, my God, I mean, do you know a Taurus that isn't like incredibly beautiful or, you know, at least charismatic? I don't. Um, so mom used to always say stubborn Taurus. Um, it's funny because my mom would say chatty Gemini also about Gemini's. Um, and also they just don't know when to shut up. So my mom, she had Saturn in Gemini. Um, but I would also say like flighty Gemini because in one ear out the other, um, so many Gemini's and it's really similar to Libra's do not know when, don't know how to like make a decision. Like I'll get a lot of Gemini clients sending me emails like, should I do this or that? I don't know what to do. Like, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just make a decision. <laughs> like, just use your own intuition. Um, and also Geminis are like, because they're ruled by Mercury, they are very, very, there's a lot of stimulus coming at them. Like they're, they can be extremely smart, um, but there's a lot going on there. And their nervous systems can be like so stimulated that they're overstimulated, also similar to, to Virgo. And they need to ground they need to ground. Um, I just spent three days with a 13, almost 14 year old Gemini. And I mean, just the sheer amount of stuff going on in her head was unbelievable. And she was like, you know, all over the place. Um, and you know what I did? Like I gave her a worry stone and I gave her some really nice lavender essential oil. And I'm like, just ground, honey. It's okay. It's okay. And she did a lot of sleeping too, because of course she's a teenager. But um, Gemini like needs to ground so that everything isn't in one ear out the other. And, um, and that's helpful. So in my book, I, I remember my mom saying moody cancer, moody cancer, moonchild, but she also said crabby cancer. Um, and so crabby cancer, moody cancer, and moody a moody bitch, basically. And I mean, I live with a cancer, moody bitch. And I have a moon in cancer. I can be a moody bitch too. <laughs> it's like, you gotta laugh, but you know, some of these freaking cancers are like a pain in the ass because they're so freaking moody. And drawing attention to it doesn't really help. 
um, managing your emotional nature, you know, not feeling like, you know, it's like surfing the, the sea of emotion because, you know, water is flowing and emotions need to flow and they flow pretty well through the water signs, but sometimes they can be almost like taken up on the wave and then crash down into the surf, you know? When you body surf, you really have to be careful about if you've ever body surfed, um, and I have many times, you can get smashed down in those waves. And it's like that with with cancer's emotion. Um, And sometimes cancers don't realize that their own bad mood is totally apparent to everyone else. Okay? It's like, we see you guys. Like, you can't hide it. Because you might be so internally oriented that you think you have a perfect crab shell around you, but no. So pull your head out of your crab ass and stop being so crabby. Because things aren't always so bad. Um, Lovable Leo. Leos are so... Their shadow is judgment and, and, and also like massive self-centeredness. I mean... It is unbelievable what diva bitches, especially the female Leos can be. And I'm getting, you know, this is supposed to be funny. Remember, so if you're listening to this and you're Leo, I love you. Um, not every Leo is like that, of course. We have to take into account everything in their chart. But, um, and you know, my son has a Leo ascendant. Um, and, you know, one of I have many favorite people that are Leos and Leo ascendants. But it's all about like me, 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 me too. And love me, love me, love me. And I'm right. Um, Leos have to worry, uh, and about being too judgmental. Okay. Um, the same way all of the, the fixed signs do. So remember Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn are cardinal, uh, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius are fixed. So they're, they're the stubborn ones. And then we have Gemini, um, um, Sagittarius, Pisces as mutable. And they're like a little bit more flowy, loosey-goosey, um, all about metamorphosis. They're not really sure exactly sometimes like what they think about things and they're able to move into other chameleon-like ideas. But um, Leo is definitely like, I'm a VIP, do what I say, you know, not as I do. Um, but no, no matter what, say that you love me. I remember... Um, I used to work with a guy that is a Leo that I'm still friends with. And he, he did not like, we were peers. Um, we co-managed and he couldn't stand my authoritative nature. I mean, he, I remember once he said to me, Michelle, you act like you could run everything all by yourself. And I turned to him and said, yes. And I could, (laughs) and he was like, whoa, because he was so charismatic, um, you know, I think that he, he never expected anyone to be, I guess, as much of a boss as he was. And he bossed on his charisma and I bossed on my authoritative power, <laughs> being a Capricorn. Um, but anyway, incredibly creative person, like, you know, Leo is the creator, um, just unbelievable, but man, don't cross them because they will freaking roar so loud in your ear that you know, you're out of here. Picky Virgo. Um, I know better than you. It's so funny. Um, like I have a lot of Virgo friends and both my parents are Virgos and they are, they really know about 
what they care to know about. And they're extremely critical and discerning and picky. And you know what? I love that about them. I always realize that I love people that are a little bit picky and discerning. Um, Maybe it's because I have Uranus, Pluto, and Virgo. I'm not sure, but I love that. So even as I could roll my eyes at people that are like really picky and discerning, there's something about it that's thrilling to me. (laughs) Um, But Virgo can get way too picky and critical. One of my ex-husbands was a Virgo and he, he spends pretty much most of his time, not, he was not only a Virgo, he was a double Virgo with five planets in Virgo, kind of like my parents. And he could tear everything apart and he pretty much tore me apart, you know, which is why we're not married anymore because there was, nothing was good enough. Everything needed to be refined, to be fixed, you know, to be criticized. And, um, so Virgos, you are too picky. If you can relax also and um, become like a little more sunny, you know, and not so fucking critical of yourself and others, it'll be a lot easier for you. I remember once another woman friend of mine who has a moon in Virgo, which is a hard place. I mean, moon has a hard time in the earth signs and sometimes the fight, well, it has a hard time in, you know, in most signs, um, but in earth, it kind of gets stuck. And, um, anyway, she had a, a, uh, a moon in Virgo. And I remember her talking about, um, her man at the time had drank too many beers and she looked at me and she said, I hate the checker outers. I can't stand them. And, um, I thought, oh, that is such a moon in Virgo thing to say. Like she doesn't like people that just want to check out, you know, that's what a lot of water sign moons like, um, This guy was a Capricorn too, and Capricorns have a really hard time relaxing. So anywho, picky Virgo, you know, they are often really picky about their diet, about exercise and people checking out. Um, Remember the checker outers, those Pisces, that Pisces energy that's in opposition to Virgo. Okay, lovely Libra. Everything needs to be perfect. Libras have a really hard time with things being shitty and things are shitty a lot. And Libra has a really hard time dealing with it. Like, you know, um, one of my favorite Libras who has several Libra planets said to me that Libras just want to float above their emotions. And um, yeah, and it's like that, that all the air signs really don't want to come down to earth and kind of deal with the fact that things that there are shadows, you know? And so the shadow of Libra is that imperfection and sometimes, and also anger. They don't like anger either. I mentioned to you that I had a really hard time getting angry. And guess where my Mars is? Libra. It's detriment. It sucks. I, even though we, sometimes we have to get angry. It's, it's rocket fuel. You know, it's a natural response. But for me, it's like, it messes with this like, you know, structure that I've built for myself, you know, and, but it happens and you have to deal with it. And so Libra's issue is that everything needs to be perfect. My oldest son is a Libra and he, I remember when he was a little kid, oh my God, if he, if I gave him a cookie that was broken, he wouldn't accept it. Like it had to be a whole, it had to be a perfect cookie. He called it. He wants a perfect cookie. And I was like, oh, he's a Libra. And I found him a perfect cookie. <laughs> I'm like, I get it, honey. Cause you know, not, not that you're not going to have to deal with imperfection, you, you know, you're going to have to deal with imperfection. And, but, you know, I did what I could to make it easier on him. 
you know, um, even though I, of course, brought it to his awareness that everything isn't perfect and that's okay. Um, you, you can make the best out of it. But my mom's Libra ascendant and air moon, you know, she couldn't stand any fighting, yelling, or raising of voices when we were children. I mean, she literally could not stand it. We were not allowed to fight, which of course we did because we're talking about my Capricorn, Aries, and Leo, the three of us, little kids, all close in age, just fight, fight, fight. Okay. Scorpio, secretive Scorpio. Do you know a really charismatic Scorpio that like wants to know all about you, but you know nothing about them? But the fact is, is that their, their interest in you is amazing. And you know, they'll just let you talk about yourself for a long, long, long time. And then you realize that they know everything about you, including all of your fears and your hopes and your dreams, but you know nothing about them. Ha, <laughs> that's Scorpio. Tell me everything about you while I offer none of myself. Now, of course, Scorpios need and actually really want to be intimate, but being vulnerable is really intense for them because they have extremely deep and powerful natures. So if you have, you know, sun, ascendant, moon in Scorpio, you know, or wherever a large scorpionic, um, you know, imprint in your astrology, you are going to need to have opportunities to be vulnerable with other people and not just basically, you know, um, investigate and dig in to everyone else's vulnerabilities. Um, I mean, it's funny because like my partner, he has a Scorpio ascendant and, you know, he read my book before anyone else did and like heard some of my stories and he did give me some information about himself when we first met. I, I don't want to say that he didn't, but he doesn't offer a lot of his interior life, you know, to me. Maybe it's just male. I don't know. He does have an air of moon, but, um, but you know, it's very, he, he, he does not offer himself easily. Scorpio ascendant. He is guarded, very guarded. Um, you know, that's that Scorpio. Love you guys, but you know, open up a little bit. Okay. Not everybody's out to get you. You don't have to, you know, constantly be vigilant and compile all this information on people to, you know, sting them. Although it is your nature and wherever you have a Scorpio, you know, God bless you. I have Neptune in Scorpio. Um, it is Scorpio rules my 11th house. So I love the Scorpios. They're all, they're my friends. If you're a, a gothy rock and roller, um, you know, an occultist, uh, you know, counterculture person, um, I love that. Sagittarius, sassy Sag. You think you know anything, you think you know everything and you'll say anything. My mom used to say foot and mouthitis, Michelle, because I had Mercury and Sagittarius. And we, we laugh about that, you know, um, because as I was learning to be an astrologer and a counselor, my mom would say, look, it's really important that you employ as much tact and diplomacy in, in reading other people. And I can be very blunt. I mean, I go straight into it and, you know, to be honest, that's what I want. That's why I named my, my, you know, business Persephone program. It's why I, um, you know, I set an intention for the work that I do. I want people that are very serious about, um, 
utilizing, uh, you know, the mysteries for personal growth and self-esteem and not harming themselves or others and all of that. Um, but on that road, I read for just general people and sometimes it was too much, you know, cause looking at your chart, you, you see the patterns, you know, and it can be scary. Um, so sassy Sag, uh, thinks that they're, you know, smarter than the average bear and, um, you know, will say anything. And so that's been an issue for me, although I'm working on it. And, you know, maybe some people as are listening to this today will feel it's too blunt. Um, remember it's a, it's kind of jokey, crafty Capricorn. So, you know, Capricorn shadow side is definitely, it's a last earth sign, but it's definitely materialism. Um, I happen to know uh, a Capricorn, a young Capricorn girl who had a bunch of planets in Capricorn, who um, actually kind of used me a little bit, but who was so, you know, she had such a hard time earlier in her life and she was so focused on achieving her aim. It was really amazing. The things that she was incredibly ambitious, the things that she wanted to do were amazing. What she got done was incredible. Um, but in that sort of single-minded guise in the in, of, of trying to achieve her goals, which were material success, almost celebrity, um, she forgot, she stepped on people on her way accordingly up. And the universe smacked her ass. Um, you, you know, Capricorn shadow side is, you know, almost a Machiavellian sort of prime minister behind the, behind the king. Um, and so, you know, that, or, or, you know, someone who is amassing uh, money and power. And, um, you know, and just wanted power from no matter what. I mean, look at the contrast, but, but then, you know, it's light side. We're not talking about the highest end, today but you know it's like the difference between like Richard Nixon and and Martin Luther King Jr both capricorns like you know Martin Luther King Jr was was a higher level archetype of capricorn yes he may have had you know multiple lovers or whatever but that's like the worst thing you can say about him not a big deal to in my in my book but you know Richard Nixon was so machiavellian he was like he didn't care he was kind of like Trump he did not care about um you know power uh, or what he would do and what who he would step on. He felt it was perfectly fine to spy, you know. Um, Capricorn needs to worry about, you know, um, stepping on people on their way up of whatever ladder and to realize that their their idea here, and I'm not saying that I did that. Um, I don't think that I necessarily, I don't think I did, but uh, I've been really working, I've, I've been... I've been trying to be a humble Capricorn throughout my entire life and using it because Capricorn's highest archetype obviously is the sea goat is bringing the spiritual into the material. Um, but I have worked with power. You know, I was even at a as a teenager, I like, you know, as a teenager, 17 years old, I was a manager, you know, at the first, my first job. So I had a lot of management jobs and, you know, tried to be good to other people, but I still did, you know, hold power, I guess, over them. Aquarius, aloof Aquarius. Aquarius needs to worry about being Mr. Spock too much, you know? And if you don't know who Mr. Spock is, oh my God. Um, I, <laughs> I did a reading for someone recently and I was like, Mr. Spock. And, 
And they were like, I have no idea who that is. I was like, whoa. Anyway, it means being devoid of certain kinds of compassionate and emotional realities and also separating yourself. I mean, Aquarius's shadow is very much about feeling like an outsider or even outside or above or separated from others. Um, I can guarantee you that even if you feel like an outsider, there are other outsiders that feel just like you, you know, um, you are not as different and strange and unique as maybe you think. Um, and separating yourself, uh, is okay as long as you don't do it 24 seven. Um, and understand that you do have emotions and an emotional nature, and it's important for you to connect into that. Uh, I, I know a couple women that are Sag Aquarius combos and these, they, they are just, they're, I feel like they just gallop away. They're just always galloping away, doing their own thing. Like they do not and cannot collaborate well. Um, and they grab, um, a lot of, of resources and kind of use them in their own separate way. So I would just say that shadow for them um, for Aquarius is connecting. They just often can't connect. And I think it's really essential because, you know, you don't have to connect in a deep, intimate way that makes you feel uncomfortable. You can connect in a group. You can connect with your ideals and hopes. That's what Aquarius needs to do. Okay. So Pisces, Pisces pity party, pitiful Pisces, um, Pisces shadow, is 100% being a martyr and feeling weak and pitiful and um, not able to do things like, you know, get a job or pay their rent or, you know, <laughs> this is, a, no, I'm joking because, but not really. Um, I have several friends that have moon and Pisces, you know, love, love them, spiritual, intuitive, um, incredible. And each one of them can't handle shit you know, sometimes they're, they're the kind of people that like, I can't go to the funeral of a friend or even a family member because it's just too much for me. Or I can't visit you because I'm too sensitive or whatever. Um, okay. You know, that's your choice, but you can, if you force yourself to, and you need to work on psychic self-protection, um, because you can do the things that maybe you want to do. And sometimes that feeling of like, martyring yourself like wake up like you have to set boundaries with people with energy with um events and if you set boundaries you can you know interact in the real world in a positive way if you don't set boundaries yes people will take advantage of you and that's true for all of us so you know hey pisces you can do it you know says the double earth sign but um I have two planets in Pisces myself and they make aspects to a bunch of planets in my chart and are part of two grand trines. And, you know, I understand that it is hard. And I also know that you have to create a container for your Pisces energy so that you aren't drained, but you are strong enough and it is okay for you to interact with the world in a way, as long as you, you know, make, you know, have a screen door up, you know, don't let everybody and everything you know, interact with you. It's funny, like one of my mom's best friends is a, a married couple, Scorpio Pisces. Of course, all the water signs, they get along really well. The man is a Scorpio, the woman is a Pisces. The Scorpio man is incredibly dominant. I mean, I've known these people my entire life. 
and he has a lot of neuroses and issues and stuff like that. And his Pisces wife is basically his caretaker. And so even though, you know, my mom was like one of their best friends, they never visited her ever. She always had to come visit them. They never went to her big birthday parties or even her memorial or anything, but we had a small one, but, um, like they, they couldn't because he didn't want to. And, you know, she martyred herself to him. Anyway, that's the shadow side of Pisces, martyrdom. But man, they sure are beautiful creatures with um, incredibly creative and beautiful, vibrant spirits. So, um, you know, how do you, as you are tested, you all of us fund the power to avert defeat. So here's some zodiacal archetypes and you can add in, you know, some of the... Um, they're ruling planets to each one of them, you know, Mars to Aries, Venus to Taurus and Libra, um, Mercury to that Gemini and Virgo, um, the sun to Leo, um, you know, uh, Jupiter to Sagittarius and Pisces, Pluto to Scorpio, Saturn to Capricorn, Aquarius and Uranus to Aquarius. So, you know, if you think about those planets too, they're kind of similar to some of these, these, these shadows, you know, um, Uranus as a rebel and idealist can be as brutal, you know, as, as anything, you know, um, but it can also be as inclusive. So it's like, you know, you got to look at, at the whole, and try and work on balancing that 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 yin yang that complete whole but one of the easy ways to do it is to like look at your astrology and like where do you fall into your shadow and what can you do to be more balanced you know in your life you know it doesn't mean that you know scorpios aren't going to be secretive it's just like be secretive but you don't have to be too secretive. You know, you can let some trusted people in, you know, Capricorns, sure, they're, they're, they're crafty and they're going to use, um, people in situations, um, in a practical determined way, but it doesn't have to be Machiavellian, you know, it can be to the betterment of the group and so on and so on. Um, so anyway, I just felt like podcasting and I'm going to do a little bit more lately. Want you to Definitely, if you are interested in um, in the book club, I'm going to create a sign up fairly soon. Would love to hear from you. I'm going to record a audible version of my book. It's going to take a little while, probably about a month, but because um, I'm take, trying to take a little bit of time off. I don't have any open reading appointments until May right now, but you can go ahead and book after the second week of May. And that's pretty much it. I'm also working on a new book, yay, um, which is 40 years of my mother's journaled Ouija board. Yes, the Ouija board that everybody's so, you know, understandably wary of. Um, I'm writing a book about, you know, having worked with the Ouija board for, you know, most certainly my adult life with my mom. And it was extremely positive and really wonderful. So anyway, I hope that you are enjoying this month of April, um, that you are, you know, understanding things are going to get a little bit more earthy and grounded. Um, although, you know, that grounded energy may 
is also going to be drawn towards the revolutionary energy that's going on right now. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this year and hopefully build back better. I'm sorry. Yay. Biden administration. They're doing a fantastic job. Um, I don't know about you, but I just got my second vaccine and, um, I'm really, really, really happy. Uh, not only that, you know, there's just wonderful, wonderful things happening. I feel very supported by the government in the first time in, for the first time in my life. Um, and, um, it's really interesting. It's an interesting, you know, my heart was swelling as I was getting my vaccine in a gigantic auditorium where they were serving 8,000 people that day. FEMA was there. There were all these volunteers. I mean, it was just, it was like, wow, like we're in this together and we are making things happen. And it was so positive and it was just, it was amazing. It was, it was, I, I was thrilling to it. It thrilled me and it made me think of that Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Aquarius and just how amazing this time is, you know, it's like, and I was thinking that Biden is like, you know, pulling an FDR, you know, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And, um, by the way, there's a really super good, um, PBS documentary, I think it's Ken Burns called The Roosevelt's that if you haven't seen it, um, you know, and you understand about like what happened with not just Teddy Roosevelt and the National Park Service, but um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the New Deal and what happened in the 1930s in the United States, you know, creating all these jobs through the New Deal, um, building infrastructure, um, social services to help people. That's when we started social uh, security. And it's like FDR, Biden's doing this. Like it's, it's really amazing. And you know what? It's good for everyone. Even those of you that are true capitalists and that have wealth, um, this is good for you too. Social security is good for you too. National universal healthcare is good for you too. You know, infrastructures are good for you too. Not, um, you know, um, not, uh, you know, having a healthcare system that is non, that is not for profit is very good for you. Um, because having profit as the, the, the main, you know, imperative, the main prerogative of any kind of a business is going to mean that for you as a consumer, you are going to have less quality. Um, so anyway, haha, sorry. Um, okay, love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, have an amazing day. Would love to hear from you. Happy 2021. Um, and, um, you know, let, let the revolution begin. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, as they say in Argentina. Mucho besos.